0: Welcome to the Whistle Mission Outdoors Podcast. I am
1: Jim. I'm Pat. And we are a podcast dedicated to the outdoors for the states of
0: Wisconsin, Illinois, Michigan, Indiana. If your state borders Lake Michigan, this podcast is for you. We cover anything outdoors, especially hunting, fishing, mountain biking, conservation, any issues you got concerning the outdoors. And remember, if you can hear this podcast, that means you can be on it. Email us at whistlemissionpodcast at gmail.com. Welcome and enjoy the show. Uh, now I'm ready. Are you ready? You know. Ah, oh, we got a whistle too.
1: <laughs> oh wow! Yeah, that wasn't uh, the whistle we were expecting. But good, good call, Bill. You didn't know we were recording. I don't think. Uh, oh, we're record.
2: Oh, yeah. Oh, Ooh. oh. Sorry.
0: So how was your week? What did so, you guys do? I got a, I had, uh, nothing really crazy outdoors, um, but I did get. I do have a story from last night. You want me to tell my story that happened at work? Yeah, do it. Go for it. So I had to cover for Storm till three o'clock in the morning. And I get a call from a guy, he drives a piece of equipment out, uh, for, we estimate like 450, 500 feet from any of the nearest pavement, and then buries that son of a bitch, right in, <laughs> right in the mud. And so I just walk out there, I'm like, I can make it to at least get the winch on this guy. So I drove out there, and in the middle of driving out there, we get that, you should have seen how hard it rained, Pat, yesterday, right? I mean, it oh, rained. it was stupid, Pat. It was I, I mean, I where I was at, it rained pretty damn hard. Did it? So I'm in a big f 550, buried. Buried up to the, the cabinets, you know, and like, ah. So we call the wrecker. The wrecker comes out and says, I, "I, there's no way
2: I can get to you. He's it's a lot bigger than you anyway.
0: And uh well, he had 200 feet of cable on his big winch, and I was at least 450 feet away. So we had to wait three hours for another piece of equipment to show up from Bloomington. Is uh The skid steer with a winch on it. And then uh, so finally at uh, about 1.30 in the morning, we got these trucks out of the mud.
2: Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the weather like, has just been not, not good.
0: Yeah, this weather, this weather really uh, sucks. Like me and Bill were saying earlier, Pat. Uh, it's like it's been March twelfth for the last three months. You know? Yeah,
1: and then in two weeks it'll be you know July twenty fifth. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> go to, yeah for
0: the next six months. You know, but um that's no, what, and
1: you know I I've heard like maybe three different groups of people talk about how we don't have any spring or fall anymore. We don't. And at first I was like, okay, that's kind of bowl you know but no then you but get it, to thinking about it and you're like yeah damn. Man, we really right.
0: don't have those uh, 65 and sunny days for a couple of weeks we and, got a, like you a know? little
2: bit of a teaser earlier on but no, yeah now it's just it's back to early spring
0: i remember though in high school we used to take the canoe out remember and i remember the one time you and me it was april we were still very much in school and we went to Tampere with a canoe to paddle around, and it was a nice day. And yeah. Remember, we had to hurry back because the storm was coming. Yep. We got the canoe tied down. But that's that day, if you remember, you could smell spring. You could smell the rain coming. But yep. it was a nice day, and the water was good, and everything was good. And that was probably the middle of April. And middle of April now is just an extension of March. Pretty much, yeah. But, uh, we're into
2: May. It's like, what, 40 and rainy? Yeah.
0: May 1st, we're recording this, and... Yeah, I mean, you guys see, can see the weather, you, you know. The, the nicest part about today is when it's not drizzling, you know. Yeah. Other than that, it's 50 degrees and cloudy and thunderstorms and rain yesterday. But uh, the one other thing that happened this week, uh, Pat, I'm not sure how much you were tuning in or not, but me and Nick, that's our brother-in-law, everybody, uh, we went to this place and we picked up an old two old Merc, uh 200s. Uh, and for anybody that doesn't know, that's a, that's their model number for a 20-horsepower uh, mark from the 70s. And I've been working on it and working on it. I still can't get spark. I put two new coils. So he ended up getting two motors, one for parts, one that's good. And so I ended up taking the ignition coils off. I tested the old ones. They were bad. I took the the ones off the other one put it on. I still don't have spark, so i got to figure that out. I don't know if a condenser is bad. It's an old, like, point and condenser uh, so system. That's old, old. That's, yeah. like, 60s, 70s. Uh, it, this one from the serial numbers we were looking is like seventy-two to seventy-four. I think is what we came up with. And, wow. Yeah, but uh, he got a deal on him, a couple hundred bucks, and we got two motors, and we're trying to get it running. The biggest thing is spark. Once I get spark, the, the fuel pump looks new. Everything looks great on it. because I just can't get spark out of it. So, I'm brainstorming. We're trying to find some of these old schematics and stuff. It's kind of hard. So, what do you think the newest one you got was? <sighs> seventy-four. You okay. know, 1974. But, dude, it's an old Merc. These things are beautiful. It still says Key Kafer on it. So, for anybody that doesn't know, Key Kafer is the guy. I forget his first name. He's the guy that started Mercury Marine. They sold it, and things moved around over the years. Oh, wow. But, so, when you get something that says any Mercury that says Key Kafer on it, it's an original. Hmm.
2: And uh, Did not know that.
0: Yeah, it's really cool. So, like, if you look, there's a front emblem. This is one of these old Mercs. I don't know if you guys ever see them, but it's like a buckle on the front. So, instead of having, like, you know, like modern motors... You take off the whole shroud. It's a whole big box that goes around the top of the motor. Yeah, right. This one has, like, the recoil and, uh, like, the bracket for the recoil. Uh-oh, are we losing an LED here? Um, on top, but this one, so you take off. There's this big chrome emblem. It's just plastic, but it looks like a big piece of chrome in the front. You snap that out, and then you unbuckle the shroud, and it's like a band. It's like a steel band around it. Oh, yeah. That's you know what I'm cool. talking about? Yeah, you had one. Yeah, we're about to lose that. You know, how, I, you see how it's getting brighter? yeah. Yeah. It's I got an LED here by the podcast studio. But uh anyway, um yeah, this thing's it's an old motor. I told Nick, I said I think old motors if I had a reliable one, uh, that I knew I can get parts for, which you can get parts for this thing on Amazon, you know. Um I would I would run old motors all the time. The best know?
2: motor in the world, Pat's motor.
0: It's definitely the fastest. The it's the fastest 25 horsepower ever made. I will say that. that the
2: only the only
1: thing that stinks is obviously when you haven't ran it Um, you know, I run out of gas. I do all the right stuff and it's still pretty pretty hard to start. So you got to like, I don't know, you got to pull on it, like on full choke a couple times and then just leave it for an hour and then come back. I'll start right now. Massage his shoulders a little bit.
0: That's my week, Pat. You just, uh, you just had a four wheel dune buggy weekend thing going on. Yeah, I did.
1: And, uh, shout out to Chris for his bachelor party. It was a lot of fun. Um, yeah, I rode with Chris the first day we went on. Uh, we went to the state park and May first, you know, which is the day we're recording. State the podcast. park where nobody knows what you're talking about. We're... Oh, this is uh, Silver Lake State Park, I think it's what it's called. Okay. Um. So it was closed down. So then we went and we, you know, they had some local girl with them, and the local girl took them to a bunch of trails,
0: and the trails were a lot of fun. Um, Being a bastard party, I hope this local girl was a stripper of some kind. you know?
1: No, I she was. Friends with one of the dudes that uh, is in their like little group for like off roading. Boring. Oh, okay. But uh, no, and then another shout out. I, I this I rode with this kid uh, Brad yesterday, and uh, he did a whole bunch of work to his Jeep. He got it all, you know. But this kid is really good at driving on the dunes. So we were doing, um, you know, it's it's that sweet spot where he doesn't want to screw up his stuff, but he's ballsy enough to try, have a lot of fun. Yeah, you know what I mean. And uh, so we were doing fifty five down this one really bumpy straightaway part, and it, it feels like you're doing Mach 3 in a rocket ship. You know what <laughs> I mean? awesome. It's just uh...
0: – Is Mach 3 in a rocket ship any different than Mach 3 in something else? I was just curious. Okay, but anyway, so you're going <laughs> you're going like really fast for a sand dune. and he's he's
1: very good at whipping around. You know, he even had it in two-wheel drive a whole bunch of the time. Like, Yeah. Uh, so when the rain came in yesterday, because we got a crap load of rain too – um it like changed the grip where it was like grippy on top and then the second you bit in it was like that soft sand yeah yeah right yeah, just top layer and uh we were up on top of the dune the wind was so intense like guys weren't riding their bikes up there anymore like it uh it, it was a good time those guys only had jeeps
0: if you didn't have a jeep wrangler but what what kind of your jeeps are we talking because i'm a jeep critic so
1: 95 to i think 04 was maybe okay. the newest so they probably
0: all had four liters in them yeah, they all had four liters. There, yeah. yeah, after they got rid of the four liter, it's even hard for me to even consider them to be a Jeep of any kind. But after. I mean, they
1: they all have overheating issues. Uh, every guy's running their thermostat. You know, their their heat cranked. Oh yeah, in the cab, you know.
2: Yeah, they yeah the Jeep that four
0: liter was bad for heat. That was. That was I a, may
2: be like biased, but I like. In my opinion, I think a jacked up like. Ready for like off-road Jeep Cherokee or Grand Cherokee looks better than her Angler. We saw a lot of, in my opinion, we saw a lot of Jeep Cherokees. Maybe nowhere near as many Jeep like.
1: There were way more Wranglers than there were Cherokees. Right, right. All the Cherokees that we saw couldn't make it up this one hill they call Test Hill. How many, Every single uh, one did not make it up.
2: How many Broncos did you see out there? Saw
1: one Bronco. Really? Or saw no. One one,
2: how many new Broncos did you see out oh, there? Oh, none. Yeah, <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly.
0: It was going to spend but, seventy grand to take it out with these guys. They were talking to
1: this one lady the night before who brought who bought a brand new Dodge with a Hellcat engine in it. You know, gas. And she was out there racing that thing around. She just bought it, so either she won the lottery. Uh, she is in Illinois oil politics or you know something along the lines of that because
0: she just she had works that money up. to burn.
1: That that had to be a $80,000 truck.
0: So, you know? But one thing, going back to what Bill said about the Cherokees, not just looking better and cooler because I'm with you. I'm, I, I'd take an old XJ body over a Wrangler right. any day. But um, the one thing I've heard from rock crawlers in the past, now I'm no expert, but – The one thing about the XJs most people don't know is they are unibody trucks, and Wranglers are not, so they have their own separate frame with the body bolted to them. And an XJ, you know, like a Cherokee, the boxy Cherokees, those were all unibody, so you can actually have more flex when you're trying to get wheels to touch on different crazy angles. And the whole body will actually flex with the suspension. So that's why a lot of those guys like those jeeps. I will say, I've,
1: I've never been a Wrangler guy. I always thought it was stupid and like this little culty thing where people build up their Wrangler and then drive it around town and not use it for anything. Yeah. But like in this application, that was the ultimate little oh absolutely. thing to have there. It really Real base is and everything. And they were all stick shift. All, at least all the ones in our group were stick shift. There, 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 were two guys that have been doing it for like a really long time. They're pretty young, but they've been doing it their whole lives. And man, they were good. The I one guy. Love- Go ahead, Pam. The one guy was in two-wheel drive just flying around. Like, this big hill that, like, they call it Test Hill. So, you can get up it somewhat easily. You know what I mean? But most people get stuck. And this guy, he would take his Jeep and he would run around the side of it going super fast, throwing sand everywhere. Like, he really
2: knew what he
0: was doing. Yeah.
2: You know? I would still love to find, like, just an old... Wrangler, just for like summer cruising, just like take the doors off and just like.
0: I'm with which the only problem, like a lot of the older Wranglers, I don't know what year they finally got over it, but you could actually buy these kits. But the, and I think it's the left rear, uh, right, the left rear, right where the spring shackle welds to it, those just rot away. They're gone. Yeah. And they have patch kits. Yeah. The, the frames are just gone on them. Huh. And anybody talk about that out there or no, the, how the frames rot on those?
1: Uh, no. I mean, these guys, these guys don't use it in the snow, you okay. know. Sorry about the shopper blinding. Like, anyway. uh, Chris Chris was the only one who even drove his up there. Everybody else towed theirs.
0: Yeah, that's that's probably the safer way to do it. You know, that way you still got to ride home.
1: And Chris, even Chris was, Chris is totally stock. Everything is just like how the way it was bought, right? And it did great that's on the trails it, in the back. But- and he had a fully loaded down with. Four guys in there, two of them being my size. Yeah.
2: Well,
0: know. when Jeep comes up with those, like they were they were made for that kind of driving from the factory, and then people just got all oh, bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger, and aftermarket took over. But realistically, those things were perfectly capable of walk, rolling off the assembly line.
1: So I, I rode in three. I rode in Chris's, then I rode in um it's his, it's his fiancee's sister's boyfriend is who I was riding with. His name's Brad. But uh, so I rode in his, and he had just done the suspension on his, so it was like a lot. Uh, you know, better than being stock, you know, I'm right, not gonna, right. like Chris had an awesome Jeep. I'm not going to talk crap about it. But then, uh, there were two guys that had one step up above that, you know, where they, they've been working on it for a decade, Yeah, you know? Right. And, uh, yeah, they were, they that, were obviously like the way to go. Yeah, you know, these guys put a lot of money into it.
2: I thought that was awesome.
1: The snap I sent was with a bunch of side-by-sides. So there was a, there was a bunch of side-by-sides out yeah. there. Dude, there's a lot Doing of money out stuff. there flying around.
2: Oh, for sure.
0: That's what I, if I had to get in it if I wanted to get in that hobby I'd probably would do it the side by side route on a trailer. Yeah. Or yeah. I did
1: a Jeep. But I mean, there was this one guy you could tell he's retired. Um you know, he took his pension money or whatever, probably like a Illinois teacher of some sort. I'm I'm kidding. But uh <laughs> No you're not. He uh I mean this thing was totally decked out and it was a single seater, you know, like buggy, right? Yeah, like, was but buggy. like side by side shape, it was a Polaris and uh he didn't know how to drive that well. But you could—he was just out there with the biggest baddest thing, and yeah. you know, just having the time of his life.
0: Anyway, Bill, what about uh, what about your week? Uh,
2: it was actually a pretty uh, it really was. It it was a pretty boring week. <laughs> I just worked.
0: You did a ton of cooking, or is that what you're going over this week? And the bush like Billy segment.
2: Ton of cook. I mean, I made the uh, yeah. I'll do the shepherd's pie, and then I made Kel some soup today because yeah. she's kind of under the weather. So
0: I know you got a lot of. Food made at home, though going.
2: Yeah, uh, yeah, I have still have pork chops that I got to make, but I, I'm not going to make them today. That'll be a tomorrow thing. But
0: oh, and one one other thing I wanted
1: to add and I was kind of forced to camp this week. Um, forced to camp. Oh, well, the dude, picture a double wide trailer with like 20 guys in it. So yeah, I was right. like, I'm just going to sleep outside. But uh, I made this investment in that tent. It was a lot more expensive than the average tent, but it's still not like top of the line. It's right. a nice tent,
0: though. You had that out there. With what it. So kind of tent?
1: It's a Slumberjack in-season 2.0. It's a two-man hunting tent. Okay.
0: Four-season, though,
1: right? Yeah, four-season. And everybody's like, you're sleeping out in that, you know, storming, blowing, you know. I mean, the wind was, like, really, really bad. Yeah. And if you're in there, you can hear the walls flap, but you don't feel the
0: thing. Well, you got how many cross-sections? Because that's how they judge the strength of a tent. You know, like a typical dome tent crisscrosses in the middle at the top. So, yeah. So, this one
1: does crisscross in the middle at the top, and then it's got two... Um, other bars right. that run along the sides and kind of bolster up the sides. So when, and then it's got a,
0: but it, when they, when they talk about wind tents, all of them have, like they say, what, how do they word it? It's like, say crossing or whatever the word is. They're like junctions or intersections, but like how many times the poles intersect over a tent and yours is like five or six of them. Let's see one. Uh, it would be five. Yeah. So five. And then once you get a little more than that, I think like up to like eight, those right. are meant for like Mountaintop, you know, no structure in a way.
1: Actually, seven, because there's one other bar on top that floats.
0: Yeah, so the picture of the dome tents we all grew up uh, camping in. I like, got a Eureka a
2: Timberline. <laughs> that's everything I need.
0: Eureka Timberline's good. That, that's a tried and true. I mean, they've been making those for, I don't know, 50 yeah, years. But, like, when these when these guys talk about these mountaineering, you know, sitting on top of, like, above the Alpine zone, no trees, and it's, like, however many crisscrosses there were in, in a tent is how much – they're meant to
2: withstand a wind. Yeah, I you know They'd have to, yeah.
1: But this thing is super strong. You don't feel the wind on the inside. For instance, I was vaping in there when the wind was going nuts, and it was just, just like I was sitting in this room. Yeah. Okay. And it, yeah. That's and awesome. And it's super warm. So I, like, I was in a 20 degree bag that it didn't even have zipped up, and I was still just totally fine. With the t-shirt, just in my underwear,
0: regular sleeping. You know what I mean?
2: Well, Pat, I don't think you get cold, so that's not a... Oh, he's turning me, I get
0: cold he's uh yeah he's getting a little softer now that he works inside you oh, know yeah. we all do
2: no all it little...
0: it happens man
1: you're you walk out and you're like hey by the way you gotta go get that truck across the lot and it's like well
0: yeah like when do you uh, yeah when you when you work outside and anybody that listens to this that that does work outside understands you become slightly tougher than everybody else you know the moment you step inside and you get used to like a furnace and like your tools being warm yeah right and you become a softy. I, I felt it coming on. I'm still tougher than most of the guys I work with. I've been snowboarding but.
2: with you, Pat, and I've been wearing my like yeah, full right. snowboard gear. Pat's out there with a hoodie with the sleeves rolled up, like the sleeves rolled go. up and a pair of <laughs> mechanics gloves on. Yeah. It's like, what
0: are you doing? You know, I got these like mittens. <laughs> well, it's kind of funny. Like
1: when I was the worst at snowboarding, I would wear the worst things to wear. Like everything's cotton and it just yeah. soaks up water. Jeans. So then I get all the stuff. That, you know, cause I'd be falling a lot. So I'd just be full of snow. Yeah. So then I get all the stuff that doesn't absorb anything and I don't fall.
2: You know what I mean? So it's I could be out better. there in a hoodie and just be just fine. You know, it was the gear that made you better, Pat.
1: Yeah. Yeah. For sure. There was something to be said about getting soft after you get an inside job though. And you could tell like the people we work with. You know, you're like you can do that outside. Just, just do it. You don't need to do. Well, all the thing
0: extra that amazes me with the people that I work with, like we have so many different backgrounds, but a lot of them they think I'm nuts for having done this outside, and I think they're nuts for they've never had to work outside in their life. And I find that absolutely like our dad, he he wouldn't know what to do if he had to work outside. Right, he had no clue. But for us, we've been hit, we've been doing this since we got into this line of work. We've been outside in like. Uh i
1: don't know you just pick up little tricks like i I put uh like a pair of doctor's gloves underneath my regular mechanics gloves which really aren't good past like 30 you know and now all of a sudden with that setup they're good down to
0: 10 you know what i mean it's just like i don't know about that cold bill don't listen to them don't follow those instructions (laughs) but my hands are like always cold but i have no problem wearing gloves anymore it
1: was actually kind of funny so (laughs) there were a lot of dudes at this at this weekend right and uh I was outside and I went. I just went and took a nap in my tent, and I came back in, and they, they were like, "Hey, you got you have to mess with this one guy tonight. He's very scared of you." And I'm like, "What do you mean S- scared? He's scared of me?" He said, "He says, oh, he was telling everybody in here that he could take everybody except for that guy that's sleeping out in the tent. Pat could take you." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I just thought it was funny because I'm, you know me, I'm not a guy that goes and like start stuff. I'm not one of these like UFC ones Pat is not a fighter
0: of any kind. You and, wouldn't uh, you wouldn't squish a fly if it landed on the table right now. And also
1: I got to hang out with Josh yesterday and we convinced a few people that we were from Ireland. Huh. I, I mean Ireland. You know, and I'm not was... one
2: bit surprised at that. Um, and back to you fighting, I've seen you two like nose to nose.
0: I the older brother always wins. Pat is screwed in this. Yeah, and the I've older... seen
2: you two nose to nose like on a pitcher's mound, like throw the gloves down and everything, and I'm and I think you guys said, Bill! <laughs> I'm like, whoa! Like, <laughs> like leave me out of it. I'm a lot, like, a lot weaker and a lot smaller. I'm, I'm.
1: When he says the older brother always wins, it's true. But it's it's the same way. Like, your girlfriend always wins. Like, you know, like you a, let him win, right? Like a, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah.
0: All right. Anyway, we got We're kind of anyway, rambling. Yeah. Let's get into the news here, Pat. Yeah. <laughs> All right. You wanna. You want to start or do you want me to start? Yeah, I'll tell you what, I'm, I'm gonna
1: start. We're gonna start on it's not a high note, but we did get this tip from uh, th- first of all, the
0: Kokomo Tribune. Yes, this is coming from our buddy Sam in Indiana. Yeah. And uh, t- Sam, I, d- I do want to say I was thinking about this, so as I'm editing this podcast, I will be tying your flies that I owe you because this guy keeps hooking <laughs> us up with information. So thank and you, Sam, again. Thank yeah. you, Shout Sam. Shout out
1: to Sam. Um, I hope I got the article that you were talking about.
0: But uh, this is a water quality. Uh, So the article he's talking about came from Kokomo Tribune. So I do have that up right here. And I will say another shout-out just to the Kokomo Tribune. They do a very good job. They do a really good job. Look at this picture they they got of this guy sitting in a canoe on this article. This is beautiful here. I I know the mood that guy's in. Is that you? (laughs) Tilly hat and everything. It looks like, yeah, it looks like my canoe and everything. And the funny
1: thing, that that kid I was riding with all weekend, he – lives pretty close to Kokomo. So I was telling him about the podcast. It's like, yeah, I use their articles. But anyway, um, so according to a study published earlier this month, 73% of Indiana waterways are listed as impaired for recreation. That means that there's so much fecal matter that they are deemed not um, safe for you know recreational activity like tubing, kayaking, swimming, et cetera. Did they say fecal, fecal matter,
0: matter really? off of who? who um yeah.
1: I'm I'm guessing they didn't go into like super big detail. I was just
0: wondering if it's like human. Well, like uh, there's a lot of these things. Like for instance, the one the one creek. Actually, I gotta tell you guys. I forgot about that. We gotta talk about the creek. But anyway, the one creek I fish. Everyone's like, you keep the fish out there, and it's like I won't because it runs over septic tanks and during floods, you know, it runs past septic. So, but I can picture in uh, Kokomo, Indiana, this whatever the water like all around Indiana. There's a lot of septic tanks in, in Indiana. So, I could see during like a season like this with all the rain if it's washing septic tanks out into the creeks. I was thinking more in terms of livestock,
1: is what I was thinking. Okay, yeah, that's, that's what I was be, wondering is it human or animal? I'm, I'm thinking more in terms of livestock because I, you know, I mean, Illinois would be way worse if it was, you know, human.
0: Because I want to say the Wabash River uh, actually uh, has warnings on the shores of it about being on the septic tank. Like over by Attica, you know. Go ahead. I'm sorry.
1: But uh, of the uh, 33,559 assessed river and stream miles in the state, 24,395 are listed as impaired. Wow. That is pretty Huge. scary. Yeah. And uh, I can't believe there's that much. I'll you, be honest. I'm more impressed with the number of that. Do you remember dad telling us way back in the day about the Kankakee and how it was the cleanest water and all this stuff?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if that really holds up still. It, it still does, actually. I looked that up. Within the recent past, I've seen that again. But I just remember, and this is –
1: I'm coming more and more to, like, really like Indiana, especially for their, um,
0: you know, conservation community. Indiana is a right? hidden gem, and, and I don't want to, like – I'd feel bad if we had anything to do with, like, blowing it up, you know. But Indiana's got some hidden gems in it. So when you hear me talk crap about Indiana – um. I'm really jealous because
1: I live in Illinois and we we always made fun of people that were actually from Indiana, but I, I you know, that was, well, just for us rivalry. growing
0: up, growing up with, at, at around here, everybody seems to have a summer home in lower Michigan. So Indiana was just like in the way to get to a summer home that as somebody, you know,
1: but, uh, they also go into, you know, like the Kokomo Creek has, uh, a lot of E. Coli and ammonia. Um, there's a lot of contamination. I feel like there is a way. To get this cleaned up. you uh, know, what I mean, there's got to be some... Yeah, there's
2: got to be a way to keep it, like, get it cleaned <laughs> up, but I can't imagine, like, fecal matter is fecal matter. I can't really think of a way that you can distinguish between, like, human fecal matter and, like, just animal or... It it, it's all probably the same bacteria. I yeah. Well, it
0: can cause uh, what's that sickness called, Pat? Giardia.
2: Yeah, Giardia. Yeah, Giardia. So if
0: you like, it takes the smallest amount. So you go and you're like, God, I'm so thirsty. I'm gonna take a sip out of this, and there could be like one parts per ten million in there. Right, Right. you'll get Giardia and you'll be sick to your stomach for like huge amounts of time.
2: Yeah, always boil. You always got to boil. Yes. Or they have those like. things that actually purify it it's like ultra filtrated and
0: yeah they have like uv light now what do you have pay you have a filtration system of some kind for drinking <coughs> oh i
2: have uh i have a sawyer so i have a sawyer what is, what,
0: kind of, what is it is it filter just a filter it's a filter yeah
1: so like they in their promo videos they actually show people drinking out of ponds with this filter yeah so it's so like this charcoal
0: just, and ultra filter
1: i don't think this one has any charcoal in it no? it's just a super tight mesh screen that um it has enough surface area to filter water at like a drinkable rate
0: huh yeah, because yeah, you get so many microns down and, like, you know, let's say Giardia needed, you know, three microns, you know, and this is a one micron filter. It yeah. wouldn't pass, you know. But
1: I, I was super impressed with that. I drank, I drank some – it wasn't, like, crappy water. Like, it, it was like Michigan water, but there was a lot of algae, like, right there where yeah. it was. And uh, I drank it. It tasted great. And I didn't get any sickness from it or anything like that, so. Yeah? Yeah, I uh, – no, I'm, I'm big into that, but – Anyway, back to your article here. there are like different levels of like more like hazmat related filters and stuff like that, but uh no, I mean this article has a lot of information in it for this me this verbatim. two thousand um, tires have been cleaned up, and there's a lot of like random
0: stuff in her but uh no i I suggest you read the whole thing. I'm not going to read it verbatim. Livestock um, waste excessive. and excessive fertilizer applications are the main source of non point water pollution in Indiana rivers, yeah. There's a lot of, this is a huge article. And that's where the ammonia comes from is a lot of, you know, fertilizer type stuff. Um, yeah. I, you know what? It It's funny when you're not a farmer or you're not somebody that does research. I guess the kind of uh, contamination that fa- agriculture causes to water is like non-existent in your brain unless you read an article like this. But yeah, there's, I did one recently this year on uh, uh, fertilizers and all that for uh, killing off the coral reef in the Gulf of Mexico. Remember that? Yeah. Yep. Yep. And I, but until I read that article, that never crossed my mind. That never that never once crossed my mind. And though. you
1: would think like fertilizer, you know, like I'm just talking about a basic thought that somebody who's not familiar would have. You would think that fertilizer would make everything grow
0: better, right? Well, not quite. You want me to go? Shout out to yeah. Sam. Thanks for the yeah. article, Thanks Sam. Thanks again, Sam. Yeah, Sam's the man. That was Indiana. What state are you going to do? I am going to do Illinois. Um, not really uh, news. I guess it's kind of news. But this is, uh, let me just go right to the article there. This is from NWA homepage.com. What is a riparian area? Bill, do you know? This seems like something that Bill might know.
2: Riparian area? Yeah. Sounds familiar. Is that pre ice age?
0: So, area, not oh. era. So, riparian area is area land adjacent to a stream, holds the stream bank soils in place, regulates water temperatures, treats overland flow of storm water runoff, settles pollutants in the water, and keeps valuable ha- habitat. For both species that live in the water and species that live on land. I thought there was more to this Hmm. article. And my phone assumed a lot longer. (laughs) This is all like in line over here, you know. So it's basically like the riverbank. Right. And through our program, we can help protect your property. Keep it from going uh, downstream. Provide abundant clean water sources off stream for your livestock. And so this pretty much goes into how we're getting more rain. And how like these riparian areas are affecting all the water. That's uh, all the streams around I guess everywhere, but this, this article is through Illinois, but through everywhere. So, yeah. are, th- are they just talking about keeping that area clean? Uh, keeping it to where it's still fully functional for what it's supposed to be doing. Because it's like, you know, birds and deer come in to get water and yeah. everything. And with, you know, more and more rain these days and uh, people channeling different things and changing rivers, that it's a lot easier to wash away and not be natural to what it was originally you may be losing some more stream banks stream banks than you used to maybe getting gravel deposited across your field so yeah they're pretty much talking about how these riparian areas are getting smaller and smaller
2: sounds like something out of star wars
0: yeah right oh. i never heard of it i never before this article i never heard of a riparian area you're a riparian eh it's one of those things that you you know you know about but you've just never yeah never you knew, knew what it was you was never called. had a definition Right, you didn't know it was actually like identified as something, you know, but this uh, uh so this the mission of the Illinois River Watershed partnership is to prove the integrity of Illinois River through public outreach, education, water quality monitoring, and the Im- implementation of conservation and restoration practices throughout the watershed, so yeah, I just I figured I'd bring up the riparian areas more what I was uh interested in because I'd never heard of it, so that's more why I brought that article.
2: Almost sounds like a, not even Star Wars, but like an era. Yeah, that's what I meant. Yeah. yeah that's you like, know the Riparian era? The, like, the, oh, the Riparian area. That was when all of the fruit ripened
1: the first. I, yeah. you know, like that's Back
2: in 1592 during uh. the Riparian era. <laughs> <laughs> that's what it sounds like. Oh, yeah, we uncovered these arrowheads from the Riparian era. Oh, really?
0: Okay, <laughs> oh, tell wow. me more. What were those people like? Uh, all right, that's it, back Go
1: ahead. All right, so uh, this one is from Al Pena News. Alpena. Alpena. I'm sorry if I'm mispronouncing that. Alpena. Yeah, it's spelled like Alp, Alpena. But uh, uh, that was uh, that was published today. Um, the avian flu reaches northeast Michigan and threatens poultry flocks. Now, I thought of my buddy Angel, who's got like, I don't know, like 12 chickens. And we also know another guy who's got a bunch of chickens. And uh, they're saying to like do your best to keep your flocks away from wild birds. That's not the whole point of the story this is kind of just to drive the avian you know influenza thing like home getting more people aware of it. I saw another article where I'm not gonna like go into detail about that one but they're telling you that there's confusion over bird feeders right now uh, but don't keep them up just just for right now. Just till so they get
0: this thing kind of figured out. This is I kind did of like see an the, article, though, in Indiana. They said you can use it for an owl, dot, dot, dot.
1: Oh, yeah. You know? I mean, do you remember last year I was complaining that the only thing was about bird feeders? Like all of the outdoor news in Indiana was yeah, really right. about bird feeders. Who knew it was
0: going to blow up? But, yeah, yeah, they got their own little pandemic going on. But
1: they were the first to really dive into the weeds. They knew something was wrong. Yeah, right. Know?
0: But, uh, yeah. So uh, keep your birds away from Highly infectious avian flu, or called bird flu, was detected in a bald eagle yeah. that was submitted to Michigan DNR after appearing ill. Man, that
2: hits home, huh?
0: Yeah, especially when the eagles start getting sick. The hobby yeah.
2: chickens. It's a hobby chicken enthusiasts.
0: sound That sounds like a job for you, Bill. <laughs> I'm
2: a hobby. Ch- I cook
0: chicken all the time. I, but, but uh, I mean, like. They're about it too. These
1: people do really get into it, and it's it's actually, especially during the pandemic, it it's become like a way more popular thing.
2: I don't have a source for it, but I do know I've I've seen working kind of hand in hand in the food industry that uh, it's affecting birds down south um, with. Thousands and thousands of thousands being euthanized because of bird flu. So don't yeah, us- we just ran
0: into that. How many chickens did they kill off because of it? Remember? Oh, they killed like 50,000. It was huge. It, whatever the number was, yeah, it was astronomical. Yeah, all the different farms
2: and everything. But, like, yeah, don't, don't be surprised if your chicken, impri- uh, chicken price increases.
0: I can see that because they're, they're killing, like, whole farms. Like hundreds of,
1: of thousands yeah, at right. a time. Yeah, uh, And, I mean, I, I still plan on turkey hunting this spring, and it, uh, it worries me. But, I mean th- – I think they were, There was an article about one human getting something yeah, along there was the lines of one person flu. so far, but but it's really not a big deal. So I'm just gonna. I'm probably if you know if I get one and have to dress it, I'm just gonna mask up, wear gloves, and kind of hope for the best. Uh, you're gonna
0: do all that, huh? Yeah, I. Uh, I don't know. It makes you think, you know. I would probably would, treat that like nothing ever happened, but I'm just that guy though, and I'm sure you know?
1: most hunters do. Maybe maybe I'll change my mind in the moment. Maybe I'll be so excited that I really don't even care, but. Uh, you want me to go? But yeah, driving home, um, got to watch out for this thing. This is kind of like the COVID of birds. So Man,
2: bird COVID.
0: All right, so for mine, it is uh, Wisconsin we're going into, Milwaukee Journal Sentinel again. As sturgeon spawn. the Wisconsin DNR surveys the health of the population of the Winnebago system. So this actually, this kind of, not that I really care about sturgeon fishing, but you always heard about how they're like prehistoric, right? And this article goes into telling you how they're 100 million years old. All right, and let me see. Let me see if I can find that spot. Cause I, the one thing I I thought was interesting, they didn't say it. I just kind of thought of it. Up, Uh, up, up, up.
2: You saw it right there.
0: Okay. So what it, it says, whatever killed the dinosaurs did not kill the sturgeon. So these things were around for whatever catastrophic event. But then they go into talking about you know what really hurts the populations of these things, us over harvesting. So. The fact that these things can withstand a catastrophic event of killing all the uh dinosaur species off the planet but they can't survive us unless we do something about it. Yeah, that hurts. That shows you how da- that shows you how dangerous humans can be for things. Yep. That but, really
1: hurts, and like the over pop, like the overharvesting is, you know, probably the biggest
2: deal. Like wh- when
1: I was fishing sturging, you couldn't even take it out of the water. Yep. You couldn't even use the barbed hook.
2: And that's the same rule up in Wisconsin. Like if you accidentally catch one, like if you're fishing for something else and you accidentally catch one, you need to like get the hook out, not take it out of the water. And and this is to, something we actually
0: got to we got to be on the same page because we're going fishing in this area. You know, this is all the Wolf River. But the one thing I thought was here's another number I was very impressed by. So I picture. Like they talk about these things, how they're all over, and there's only forty thousand fish in the Wolf River. They sample fifteen hundred, but I mean forty thousand. Doesn't that sound like a low number? That's just maybe that's just me. It's really low. Yeah, I thought that was
2: pretty low. They're Um, extremely rare. Like if you catch one, like
0: yeah, and it's it's a big deal. So they were going into so the Shawano Paper Mill Dam built in eighteen ninety two prevents sturgeon from going further upstream. So these things, this actually attracts people where this dam is. Because people come and watch because they're trying to get past to go spawn. I've actually heard about this dam. Have you? Yeah. Um, yeah. See, sturgeon park to watch the spectacle. They just love watching because they're giant fish. So they start spawning when t- temperatures reach about fifty-three degrees. Uh, the upper Fox. Uh, da, 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 da. Where's the one spot I was trying to get to? Okay, so a female sturgeon reaches sexual maturity when she is twenty-four to forty or twenty-four to twenty-six years old and fit about fifty-five inches long. Males, 15 years old and 45 inches long. And then these things live up to 100 years old. Well, if you scroll up too, they only spawn every other year. So that the males spawn every other year. The females go, what do they say, four, five, and six years from what I remember reading this article. Oh, come on. This is way different. I, I, I right researched these on my phone. Okay, yeah. So females, four, five, or six years after they've reached their maturity. So but,
2: it's, yeah, it's... If you harvest, they're they're not they're not producing like every year like every other fish, right? So it's, right,
0: in huge numbers too, right? You know, um, but these things weigh between a hundred and hundred and fifty pounds, and but like the one guy said, because they live to be a hundred years old, and he says these fish are older than my grandparents. That I mean, you think about that, you know. Those fish have just been flapping around. These things sure are ugly, though. You know, they're definitely not a good-looking fish. I
2: think they're awesome-looking. Like you think so? Just well, look- not the mouth and everything, but like they got scales. I like, yeah. just can't. These got scales like the size
0: of my thumb. Yeah, you know,
2: They um, look like the a little dinosaur. points on the back
1: yeah. are actually like they look pretty blunt, but on the very tip of them, they're kind of sharp. Are they? Yeah. They're yeah, because like you little- caught
2: that one, and I, I, I still think about that. Like, I caught twenty huge, and or something are- like that. Yeah, but that one was like massive. Oh, it was a massive. monster!
1: But I remember grabbing that thing's nose, and I I was kind of like mock picking it up. I didn't actually pick it up. I couldn't pick it up. It was way too big for even I three people to pick up. You yeah, know? right, right. And but I grabbed its nose, and I'm thinking, man, this is one hell of a fish. That you know, probably like
2: 200 years old, you know, or something like that. But you just showed a picture of its 100- mouth.
1: Yeah, right. And it, when you grab its nose right there, it's like super hard. It's it's like. Uh, you could tell it's like mostly cartilage and stuff like yeah. that, but man, it's just stout. They're just such a stout fish, and like without looking at their mouth, they are beautiful. They are yeah. absolutely beautiful fish.
0: They look like dinosaur fish to me,
1: you know. And I look at them; they look like nothing else, you yep. know. And the the one I caught, I think the guy told me he says it's about fifty years old, which is just nuts. Yeah, you know. Yeah, but and they should be harvested. Like they they should get. They should be on more of a tag thing than like a bag limit. Yeah, right. You know when right. they are. You know.
2: I know. I saw because I was researching the uh, white bass, like the limits and stuff. I know, like the research or the um, not the research, but the uh, bag limit is like one per season, and I think you got to qualify to even get into because they don't they don't catch them. They spear them. Sturgeon, right? Spear them.
0: It's a, it's all spear. I think it's through the ice a lot too. Isn't it pre spawn? Yeah, or like something
2: like that. And I think you got to qualify for a. For a license yeah it's not like you just walk out you and me can't go out there and go hey let's go search and fishing
1: but i mean if it reaches you know a stage like how this article is like you know making it out to be um we should shut it down you know we should shut down all harvest of these things and protect them
0: so anyway that's all i have for the news we're gonna move into bush like billy
2: yeah let's do it i got something for you
0: yeah that's what you got
2: so i made uh i don't know do you remember i used to like travel Oh yeah, remember, Pat. Do you remember that he'd go away every now and then? You know.
0: Oh yeah, it's
1: only
2: so, like 180 <laughs> days a year. So you know? for those for those listening that that don't really know me, uh, I used to travel for a living, and this was international travel. Um, I've been everywhere, done everything. Where, Have you been a to New Zealand?
1: Of, multiple yeah. times, yeah. Yeah. Oh man, I want to go to New Zealand now.
0: If I you could, were at the windiest place on earth in New Zealand, wasn't that New Zealand it was the windiest place on earth? No, yeah, it was you, windy as hell but. You told me, no, there was a spot you went You said it's the windiest place on earth Yeah, I could have sworn that it was somewhere in New Zealand
2: Not that I remember yeah. I probably did Okay, go ahead, anyway I don't remember um, So I've been New Zealand, Australia, uh, all over But uh, specifically, like I did a lot of travel in Asia And the good thing about the entire world Is wherever you go, there's always an Irish pub No matter where you go Middle of Korea, China, and yeah, the found, yeah. found a way to spread the seed. There's always an Irish pub and uh or an English pub. There's always a pub. They just that have that go go cozy, to. homey feel. They do. And you know what to expect when you're eating. So like I did a lot of like just eating out in like in general and just bar food. Eating at bars and everything like that. Um so like in the States, obviously you go to like the You got Longhorn Steakhouse. You got all these different, like, little restaurant chains that are all in the small towns. But when you travel internationally and you don't really, and you're by yourself, you don't really know what to try. And you try different things. But when you just want, like, something standard that you know is going to taste good and just fill you up, you find an Irish pub and you get you a shepherd's pie. Yeah. Um so I made shepherd's pie. It was the, very
0: good. I had some Pat.
2: The weather was terrible this weekend. I didn't smoke anything. I didn't do anything like that. So no, I made I, a shepherd's pie. I've never had one. Just
1: explain exactly like what it is.
2: So this technically is called a cottage pie. A shepherd's pie is used or is made using ground lamb. So I use ground beef because Uh-oh. for one, I don't like ground lamb or I haven't had it, and for two, like can't find it. Can't find ground
0: lamb That is it, but beef's hard to beat. You yeah, know. it really is. But, but so. it's
2: pretty much the same recipe with a different type of meat, right? That's all it is. So basically you ground um I guess just,
0: Snapchat updates the whole time he cooked this. Oh it,
2: yeah, and oh dude, it was good. So basically what it is, it's a ground beef, uh cooked in a pan with some onions and garlic. You brown it real nice. You add some seasonings like some uh thyme, some rosemary, salt, pepper, obviously. Um, then you add your garlic and then you kind of Set that. Let it cook for a little bit. Um, Add some beef broth and some flour to make like a nice little gravy to it. Mix it all up. Then you add your frozen... uh, For me, it was just frozen veggies. So it's frozen corn mixed with frozen peas and then half a cup of frozen corn. Um, Mix that all up. Let it simmer for about 10 to 15 minutes. In the meantime, in the background, you're boiling your potatoes. What you want to make is you want to make mashed potatoes, basically. So I just... Made my normal mashed potatoes, add a little bit of garlic powder, salt and pepper, and uh, this time I actually added a little bit of Parmesan cheese just to kind of...
0: It was good. It was very good.
2: Um. So basically then what you do, once you have your little meat mixture with the gravy and everything, you let it cool down just a little bit and then put it in the bottom of a casserole dish. Hmm. Even it out. Make sure it's nice and even and then top it with the uh, mashed potatoes after you mashed them all up. So you added your... The way I do my mashed potatoes is I boil potatoes, obviously, um, strain them out, let the, put them back in the pot, let the water kind of evaporate a little bit, add a whole stick of butter, half and half cream, um, salt, pepper, a little bit of garlic powder, and then once they're all mashed up, add your Parmesan cheese. That's how I do my potatoes. And do you peel? them? Oh, oh, yeah. They're all peeled. Okay. I'm sorry. They're peeled potatoes. Um, so then once you have your meat concoction on the bottom of the casserole dish, cover it with the mashed potatoes, kind of even it out, layer it, bake it in the oven at 400 for about, I think it did 28 minutes. It was like 25 minutes to 20, 25 to 30 minutes, depending on the size of like, or how much you actually made and uh, pull it out, top it with some parsley. And Jim, you had it. It it, it's it's a pie. It's just a nice stick to your ribs, like you said. Stick to your (laughs) ribs, food like meat and potatoes. Like the only thing I ate today, I I I gave you like maybe a four by four chunk. Yeah, it it it'll fill you up. And but it's the the nice thing about it is when you go to a pub, you know what to expect. You know you can get it, and it just it fills you up. God, and it's so good. It's so easy to make too. I didn't realize how easy it was to make. Like I I. Probably so be doing th- this in the future.
0: I ate dinner on storm last night at about five five thirty. That's the only thing we are recording this, at. it is five eighteen right now. That is the only thing I've eaten in twenty four hours. Wow. Really, How is that? I'm not that hungry, so
2: that's yeah, good. It's, I made a soup today too. I know Kel Kel's kind of feeling under the weather this weekend, so um, she kind of gave me something to do today. So I went out and made a um, chicken chicken and rice soup for her. real simple to do. Yeah, it's pretty just standard. a nice. Uh, she appreciated it. Chicken thighs. Then you pull the chicken thighs out after about 30 minutes. Shred them up. Put some rice in there. Carrots, celery. Real easy to do.
0: I don't even know if we're going to have a Kelsey's Corner this week because she's feeling sick. I gave her a couple ideas, and, but we've got to see if she's got up to it or not. Yeah, she's
2: not feeling well.
1: So, real... I mean, if you want, we could do like a small smoke and pats because after the podcast last week... Let's do a smoke and pats. Yeah, go ahead. Um, I did my first official, like, legitimate smoke. I saw I, a Snapchat. How'd it turn out? Uh, so, the chicken... Turned out awesome, and the whole thing had flavor. You didn't it turn it into delicious. a hot dog. Didn't turn it into a hot dog. <laughs> I didn't take this expensive piece of meat and then turn it into a cheap one. But uh, it, that turned out great. And like, the, I'm not a skin guy, and I would like always like just kind of eat like a small piece of skin with the rest of it. Yeah. But the whole meat tasted smoky. Yep. Which is kind of. I'm not saying hard to do, but I wasn't expecting that. I thought it was just like an you know an external kind of flavor thing. Yeah. That turned out great. I ate that the whole week for lunch. I also made. Um,
2: a uh, poor man's brisket. You know what that is? Poor man's brisket tri-tip? chuck roast. Oh, dude, chuck so roast. So
1: I did a chuck roast on there, too. Hey, the tri-tip's
2: my favorite. <laughs> poor man's brisket is what it is.
1: I didn't make it as tender. And, and I'm like still kind of figuring that whole thing out. But I didn't make it as tender as it should have been. But it was still tender enough to really enjoy it. Yeah. And uh, when I would be microwaving it at work for dinner, uh, we had a lineman come in just you know, wondering if he can get work done on his truck. And he was like, who, who's eating that? You know? And, uh, yeah. he's like, that smells real good. And I like, when you are cooking it, right? Like it, you kind of get like, man, this could be another hot dog kind of thing. And then like when you eat it later, it is so delicious. The yep. bark on the outside, it's so good. Ah, oh, I will
0: say your last brisket is tied with the tri tips that you've cooked. That's how good that was.
1: Your last brisket was so good that I really don't think it needed any
2: sauce. I actually, yeah, I, br- I brought it to work and, uh, uh my the plant manager actually said that was the breast, the the breast the best brisket he's ever had. Yeah, that was that, that was, was something temple. special. That was that I think low and slow is the way to go for brisket. I'll probably hours. I'll do another one in the middle of summer, maybe for fourth of July or something. So just
1: to settle a small argument that Jim and I had last weekend when I was telling him about my chuck roast, what was the final temperature when you took yours off the smoker?
0: What was he the so yeah, so the uh the brisket? The meat temperature.
1: Yeah, what was the final meat temperature when you like
2: physically took the brisket off of the smoker? Uh, it was like 193. I measured 193 and then 195.
0: Hmm. Eat shit, Pat.
2: No, you were saying 160.
0: You were no. saying, no,
1: you got to get it to 145. That's medium. 145 is medium. So, so
0: Pat took, when he's reading these recipes and he looks at the cooker temperature, he thinks that's at the meat temperature. So like 225 is what the meat's supposed to be. No,
2: no, no. All right. So
1: maybe- I was reading a recipe that told me that my final temp should be you know what you reach is 205 then you cover it um or i'm sorry 165 then you cover it get it to 205 take it out and then do the whole
2: you know swaddling in the blanket baby thing it it varies based on the type of meat so for 160 like for your pork shoulder like for me pork shoulder it gets us it gets to a stall like 150 to 155 that's when it pretty much stalls like sometimes you know maybe 160 but it's going to sit there for hours and hours and hours. And that's when I pull it out and then wrap it and then I get it to like then I smoke it until it's two oh three. But like the beef brisket it's gonna cook to like where it needs to be when you pull it off at one ninety three, one
0: ninety seven, one ninety five. You were talking about cooking a piece of peat Pat. Piece of meat pat that uh was gonna be off at like two twenty five. And I think that's just that's a piece of charcoal when you're two oh five is what I said. I think he said 220.
1: No, you're, you're cooking it at 225, but you take it off at 205. But
0: doesn't what piece of meat would that be good on? Two 205. That's like hot a shoulder. Roast.
2: Well, pork shoulder you pull off at 205 because it's then you just literally let it set for. That's not
0: hard as a rock. It's not like chewing a truck tire. No, two o five.
2: No, pork shoulder is real fatty. So all you do is you literally yeah. pull it out and and mine wasn't let it a truck set for tire. a little bit. And
0: mine was still pretty moist. Mine was like still super. Large. If you if you gave me a steak that was 205 inside, I wouldn't eat it. I no, it,
2: the different different cut, different meat, different, different animal, kind of cooking too. I mean, it's not a fire cook. Yeah, you cook. You know? pork but even shoulder. still, if you put
0: if you put if you put a piece of steak on a smoker and went to 205, it would still
2: be scorched. Yeah, it would be charcoal. Oh well, that yeah, that's because it's a piece of meat. Like pork shoulder. I thought that's what he was
0: cooking. I think he's changing oh. some details here.
1: No, it's a chuck roast. I've said chuck roast a thousand times.
0: All
2: right, arm wrestle for it.
1: Um, I could beat it's it if you're looking <laughs> right now it, it it's about the size of a baseball, and the the cut I had at least was like the size uh, a little bit bigger say one and a half size of a baseball softball and probably
2: nine or ten inches long, okay. I've never done a chuck roast on the smoker so i
1: and the the fat was like perfectly like um I, what would you say like rendered down and like yeah. now it's in the meat like it was.
2: Do you let it sit after you after you smoked it?
1: Yeah, but I, I didn't do the two hours thing, which is I kind of think is I well where no it didn't briskets get it as
2: briskets two hours like or well, an hour or so. But I had to go to bed
1: because this actually took a lot longer than I thought. <laughs> yeah, and I had to <laughs> go to bed, and I didn't want to leave a piece on the counter for the dog to figure out how to get. Yeah. Hey, I don't mean to interrupt,
0: but we're not a cooking podcast. We do got some other stuff we got to cover. Up. Oh, good. <laughs> all right, so all right. I don't mind a little bit of that, but we are, uh, I don't know what this is going to edit down to, but as we're doing the rough end right now, we're at, you see this? We're at almost an hour. Ooh. Eh. Yeah. Let's take a quick break. So, yeah, take a quick break, and we'll be right back. So, one thing I wanted to bring up to you guys, I did a little research. So, Friday night, we had some good water, some good weather, and so I went out into my creek, and I was fly fishing. I went a different way, so that kind of, I do got to weigh that in. I never The way I went, I never did good at, but I didn't want to give up on it. And we're early season. The water temp's still in like the mid-40s, you know. And so I'm, I'm casting. I'm throwing all different kinds of flies, some bigger ones, some smaller ones. And you've been out in that creek a number of times. Mm-hmm. You've been out there with me before, Pat. Yeah. You usually spook them. Don't you think? When you're yeah. when you're out in a creek, you usually you see one, you know, a one or two ponder zing by you, yeah. you know, a bigger one zing by you. And you're like, oh, man, I spooked, I spooked that one. And so I've been out in that creek by three or four times this year. And I have not spooked a fish. Really? I, it's like, I'm, it's like I'm, I'm in an empty creek. All right? And so I did some researching. I got to thinking, do smallmouth migrate? All right? And you know what got me thinking of this is we used to go down and fish Rock Creek. But remember, it would be too early. Ah, they're not up here yet. You know, we wouldn't catch anything in Rock Creek. Yeah. And then so about this time is when they'd start coming up. So I did some research. And I, I'm, I'm a little ashamed I didn't know this already. But smallmouth do have a migration thing. And uh, is this too boring for you guys? Or you, you no, want to no, going? I'm listening. I'm, so I'm listening. Dial in. So my creek, how far I fish upstream, is several, ah, i say a few miles away from a major dam. Have you guys seen the dam I'm
2: talking about there? I've never seen it in person, Where but is I know it what at? you're talking about.
0: Okay. It is uh, It is west of my most western point I launch at. I don't want to give away too many details. Hmm. But, um it's about it's a big 10 foot 10, 10 15 feet 10, 10 or 15 foot dam it's it's decently sized but anyway just a, probably about a half mile upstream of that is deep you take every time you take one step out into the creek you are a foot lower so you'll be you'll be waist deep in water and you can reach out and touch the shore that's how you wow. know wow. so it's a deep pool yeah. so I did some research on these uh on smallmouth and the smallmouth head downstream wherever they have to go to find their wintering ground until it reaches whatever they said fifty some degrees and then they head back upstream. But so I'm actually learning that I don't think you can fish this creek whenever you want and there'll be fish there is what like the lesson I learned. I don't think they're I don't think what I'm fishing for is there yet. I don't think they I think they migrate down to this pool that I'm talking about that's about a half mile long. And once the weather starts warming up, they start going upstream for the spawn, and they they kind of season out there until the wintering temperature comes back, and they have to go down to this pool. We're, we're, we're,
2: it makes sense. I mean, it makes a lot of sense, actually. especially with the like the amount of rainfall that we've had and the the, the constant like it's muddy water, yeah, is basically what you are fishing, and it's not
0: warming up. The thing no. is, is like I was out there, I put my hand in there, I could feel my feet are kind of cold through my waders, yep. and I am like, man, it's still like it's it it should not be this cold yet. And but the biggest thing is, I am walking through, and most of the spots you're are. I mean, what would you say? Hip deep's about, it, that yeah, that's
2: a deep part. I would say yeah, hip to belly button height And clear water. Yeah,
0: so you're usually walking and you're like,
2: oh man, we just spooked that one. Or
0: you see, you see him over there. Remember the one time yep. Pat, you couldn't get that one to take anything. It was during the spawn. They they were all just protecting their nests. He was like running back and forth, and Pat literally like he he was hitting it with a twister tail. It wouldn't take it. You really? Know? yeah. And there was, but that wasn't. There was a bunch of them over there, wasn't there, Pat? Yeah. Or it was. Uh, I like three or four of them. Yes. I have not seen any signs of life besides a duck on this creek this year. <laughs> yeah, and, I,
1: mean, I mean, you could probably think it's totally about water temperature, and that's a spot you could
2: normally spot fish at too, right? I mean, oh, they're over there.
0: Yeah, and you can cast towards them and all. But it, so I'm walking through this thing. I'm like, I haven't. I've been out here a few times. I have not seen a fish. So I'm wondering if th- this is a small enough ecosystem for these guys to like go down winter out in the deep pool where it's nice and slow. And then come back up to do their spawn because, like, just like Rock Creek, you wouldn't see a fish in there until the water was warm, until it was a nice right. day outside. Right, you wouldn't see you wouldn't see anything in that creek. W- wasn't the height of the spawn like right about the time we were getting out of school? Yeah, usually, yep. usually I'd say like uh, like mid to late May. Yeah, I'd say about then. But it all depends on water temp. You could have an early spawn too. This year we're gonna have a late spawn. Mm-hmm. We're we're definitely gonna have a late unless all of a sudden it turns to eighty degrees with direct sunlight for a few days. We're gonna have a late spawn this year. I mm-hmm. remember the one year I was down there with a buddy of mine from high school. And we, we were down there more for the adventure than the fishing
1: at that you point. You guys would
2: make a day out of it, cook sausages. Yeah, yeah we'd make a
1: day out of it. And uh, we'd just be fishing for anything, you know. But we, I went down there, and I was in my waders, and I was about to get in. And I saw, like, five of these guys running up. And I looked back, and the one guy, the one guy turned around as he was walking up the bank, and he's like, they're off their beds. And I'm like, okay, I know exactly what you are saying, you know. <laughs> and uh, so we just kept fishing anyway, and we didn't see anything you know obviously we didn't catch anything but uh that makes sense what so what they were telling me is that the water temp is still a little too cold
0: yeah yeah um but i i I feel like an idiot for not so i always thought i always knew that with rock creek but i figured that was like an instance but this sounds like for for smallmouth uh this is pretty common i actually ran this by nick because nick's been going out fishing and he can't he can't catch anything either right now and I ran up by him. He says it makes perfect sense the way he's been fishing. Yeah, it makes perfect sense to him.
2: Makes sense to me in my mind. I, and he, least. Nick, beats that water down. He's yeah, water. I,
0: I throw a ton of casts. This guy, this guy doesn't stop. You should fish with him for a few hours. He yeah. does. He does. He never sits there and talks to you. I, for I a second. Fish
2: with him. Well, I didn't fish with him, but I, I see him up in the North Woods. And yeah, it's the guy will wear two reels out in a weekend. If he's, he's, out if an, he's an hour he's, before us. <laughs>
0: He's, uh, if he's not throwing, he's moving the boat, like he's on the motor moving. Like, and then from the moment he stops that motor, he's throwing casts and no breaks, you know, no, like, yep. Hey, I'll take a sip of water. Nothing. The guy's throwing, and he hasn't, he hasn't caught anything. You know, yeah. I've been out with him a few times. Anyway, the other thing too, I want to go into another migrating topic. So me and Bill were getting ready for this, uh, white bass run. This is the first time we're like, you're, you this is like the first time you're officially doing this, right?
2: Yeah. So I've been up there in the past when I was a kid and we we would go up there with my dad and my and a couple of sisters, and uh, we would go up there and uh, just basically tight line on the shore.
0: But you guys, you guys just happened to be there when it was going on. We right?
2: had, well, they the, the group went up there. Um, I want to say it was closer to mid-May. Um, it was so always warm of, out when you guys. It was warm. always warm. Yeah, maybe a light hoodie. Um, but so yeah, it's we're going up there for basically a white bass run this year like we went up when we were kids and we were just tight line on the shore off the dock you know we catch whatever you catch you know sometimes you catch white bass and sometimes you catch walleye and you catch sheep head and that's pretty much no sheep. bullhead no never caught a bullhead
0: i'm to think there's another name for sheephead, and i can't think of it right now brain fart brain fart but they're really hard oh geez i can't think i, of I don't it. think it's brain fart there's uh
2: no it's not brain fart uh-uh. now that you mention it it's not that <laughs> no or, there is another name for sheephead. we just call them sheephead.
0: Not burbot. It's not burbot. Burbot is something totally different. Anyway.
2: Anyway. Yeah. So we're we're actually going up a few weeks early, uh, trying to tie into some white bass and actually do some meat fishing. Which uh,
0: so talk about the prep though. So what have you been? What have you been looking into to to fish for white bass? Because
2: so based on like my prior experience, not just and,
0: anything you know about it. Because this is my first time.
2: So they're they're, it's really it's really shallow water. Uh, it's a river. They pretty much. This is the time of year they run, pretty much mid-spring. I would call this mid-spring. I wouldn't call this early spring.
0: Oh, yeah. This is definitely mid. It's mid. definitely mid-spring. On the calendar, um, it's mid. On the calendar, it's mid. It, but on, it is in terms of t- temperature. the
2: weather-wise, it's definitely early spring. Um, what,
0: what kind of tactics are we going to be using,
2: though? So I, I'm bringing up two, possibly three rods. So one rod is going to be dedicated to just... The uh, the river rigs that we're that we're gonna be running and explain
0: uh, what's a what's a river rig. So it's rig.
2: basically a three way swivel. One side going to your rod, One side is just maybe about a foot of uh, just some heavy weight, maybe one two ounce weight. Yeah, just to by, tie it down. Yeah, and then the other side will be a maybe a one to two foot leader with. I'm I'm recommending using floating jig heads uh, rigged with a minnow.
0: So with that, I, so I rigged up. Anybody that, uh, knows the youtube channel i just you saw the video yeah Pat, of making the live bait rigs so i have some that are weighted and some that are the floating and all that yeah stuff. and you've so- got some
2: with with blades and something that, that, that'd that be more they all have all blades I,
0: they all have blades yeah. well, I don't see so like but why wouldn't that work for white bass
2: I don't see why it wouldn't it, yeah they're, they're not terribly hard to catch like they're but like
0: you were saying how we, we were up there before just clowning around it was like I had the other lund and Cal came with us and we were just playing and you guys were catching the white bass on maps yeah so why would
2: you know I, I don't see I don't, why I don't I, see why it wouldn't work so I've, I've just never that's not what I've ever used that's <laughs> my
0: plan of attack Is I, so I, I tied a bunch of these uh, live bait rigs that I plan on using Whitman Minnows, you know, not night crawl. Did you find anything on night crawlers? Nah, leeches, th- nothing. No,
2: nope. nope. leeches. Yeah, you can use leeches, but those you're more targeting walleye <laughs> at that point. Which I think the walleye run would. It would have been over at the time that we're going. However, I am not. I haven't checked the fishing reports on well, I mean, you yet. might
1: get there, and all this stuff's pushed back X amount of weeks because of the temperature. Yeah,
0: especially I, I, up there it's colder because, I mean, you're talking Wolf River. You're talking Lake Winnebago, the Wolf River system. I did you
2: know? read a fishing report that the white bass are on right now. Oh, wow. So okay, the the cool. white bass are, are hitting right now. This is one that was posted on 425, so just a couple of days ago.
0: So we're going to be staying near Partridge Lake is where we're going to be staying. Right. It's up that way. So never been there. And uh, the other thing too, Pat. We and him were talking. I don't know which boat to bring. Should I bring the little V boat or should I bring the drift boat?
1: Honestly, I would bring the drift boat just because of how it, it's
0: just so much easier, isn't it? It's a lighter weight boat. It's just a slower moving boat. I don't. I don't know how. Like he's saying, shallow water. Like how shallow do you think if you had? Uh, so
2: I, where I used to fish, it was maybe fifteen foot deep across the channel. But I've never been to this part where we're fishing. I don't know. Yeah, because I read. If you look at the map, there's a lot of shallow water warnings.
0: But I'm wondering, what do they mean? Four feet? Three, three feet? Yeah. I mean, if they're well, issuing inches, a warning,
2: I, I I would bring your drift boat. I want to fish out of the new boat, too. So I, I I think we bring the drift boat. I was
0: just nervous that this boat's a lot slower than I thought it was going to be. It moves. It moves fine.
2: But Absolute it's a worst-case it scenario, and we can't get back up, we get towed. Yeah. No, if no, we'll we'll anything,
1: I, I really wouldn't be worried about this boat getting back up.
2: It, it, it'll it get there
1: just slower, right? Right. Right, it's just a slower boat you because know? the current doesn't wipe this thing down the river.
2: Like It's not whitewater rapids or anything. It's well, like I
0: told uh, – I Bill, I said, you know what, I guess I, I in my brain, I, like Bill said, you know what ruined it for me is that one new London I bought once upon a time. We were screaming across the water and everything was luxury and, you know, and then now – now it's like a slower boat. I just got to get used to the fact that this is a slower boat and this is what I bought it for. This is exactly what I bought it for. It was shallow water fishing where you're not moving fast anyway.
1: But I mean, but this is the type of fishing you do. This is application-based. That's what you bought this boat for. Yeah. You know what I mean? I was just
0: worried from where we're staying to where we're going to be fishing, how far of a ride is it, is what I was worried about. Do you know? No. I. I. I from what I can tell, it's about a half mile. Oh, man. Just just take Yeah, we'll it be just
2: fine.
1: Yeah. And, and like... When we go to Hayward, that's a perfect example. I know what you got a six horse on the drift boat, right? Yeah, it's a
0: single single cylinder six so horse.
1: I've got my screaming twenty five, so I rip there, burn a whole bunch of fuel. Everybody's wiping the wind out of their eyes, and uh, then you're thinking, okay, now we got to wait for you know Nick. He's got a ten horse on a John boat, right? D- he's not there in much le- less time than I am. Right? I'm mean? very like,
0: curious. With real quick, just with what you just said, if I can get this thing running, I'm curious to see who's going to move faster with this twenty horse. Oh, your boat or my boat? No, Nick's boat with his twenty horse or yours with that twenty five.
1: I think because of the way my boat planes, I think my boat will smoke his. Ah,
0: I don't know. I don't know. Anyway,
2: so back to baits. Uh,
0: yeah, back to what we're going to be doing here. What's the, what's because the, you're, kind of you, you're kind of my you're kind of my first mate captain slash guy. You know. How so.
2: are you looking on white map spinners? So <laughs> I was afraid of this. <laughs> 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 is, are you stocked special. up on them? I was like, afraid of this. Hey, Bill, so fishing for, anybody for that sharks.
0: Missed, and he pulls out a <laughs> bunch of white map spinners. So for anybody that missed the one episode, I just want to say it again. When you asked Bill, how's the fishing? What you just asked him is, are they biting on white map spinners? You know, that's the only question <laughs> they produce. just ask. They produce. <laughs>
2: that's the only thing he, he heard you say. No, I think we'll be all right. Like, honestly, I think I'm going to have one rod set up, just basically tight lining river fishing. And then I'm going to have another rod set up for just, tossing out little spinner baits, little crank baits and stuff. So I did order a couple
0: more rod holders so we can do four tight line. Yeah, you
2: know? I, I can set that uh, rod up easily for uh, for tight lining as well. I think I'm going to bring my bait cast too. Just.
0: I thought about setting the bait cast up as a tight line. That, to be honest with you, I thought about bringing that as a tight line. Yeah. Do,
1: you, do you still have a plastic clicker in yours?
0: Um, No, I'd be bringing a low profile. Yeah, I've got a low no, profile. Pat's talking up. about the uh, Abu Garcia's. No, but
1: I'm just saying, I, obviously, that's way too much of a you know test for that. But I'm just saying, is there a way you could rig that up with your – they're called Lindy rigs, right?
0: Yeah, Lindy rigs kind of the, the
2: – It's it's a generic term. Yeah, yeah, it's like
0: a coin term, you know. Like a Kleenex. And it, I'm not exactly running Lindy rigs because I'm using three-way swivel. A Lindy rig has those uh, – I guess – let me hear Let me see if I can uh, – the, the Lindy rigs have these weights that are supposed to drag along. Oh, look at that. But um, these, I, since we're using a three-way swivel, uh, you, it's a different kind of weight because you're, oh, uh, you're actually using the bottom of the swivel as the weight, the, the part that you tie the weight. Let's see. See these weights here? These yeah. actually ride along the bottom, and that is what makes it a Lindy rig. So we're kind of using Lindy rigs because, it's like a hybrid. because of this part here, but we're not using these weights here. And lindy rigs were more meant for trolling than tightlining. I'm using the current of the river to use the blade, to spin the blade. You know? Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's a little – it's slightly different. So what about tangling? Are you worried about tangling?
2: Yeah, I am. That's going to be the biggest thing is having, it like – well, I've never fished out of the new boat yet, well,
1: so. Well, I mean, but his – the if you've got spinners on his, like the tangling
0: issue would be, like, legit. Oh, for – yeah.
2: I can see that, but – I
0: we're gonna to have to see. This is all new to me. I I've been a I've been a cast and retrieve muskie fisherman for how many years with fly fishing in there, and then now we're going to meat fishing. So this is all like I haven't done this in like twenty five years, fish like this. You oh know?
1: but real quick to finish my thought about the like uh, my bait caster, my big one. Uh could you tie that set up on the end of it? Of course it's way too much line, but then use the clicker.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um the only problem is is the current might pull the actual clicker out. You know, so well, uh depending on how br- big br- the weight is.
2: Yeah. At all. You put a big ass weight on there, then no. Bait clickers are. are awesome for this, though. Yes,
1: because I used to do—I uh, don't know—I used to run a river rig with just one single hook with a big weight about a foot, foot and a half up.
2: Yep, and it was like always going to work. These three-way swivels are the, are the way to go for fishing. Like where we're about to fish, that these are the these are the way to go.
1: Yeah, I just don't. I can't wrap my head around the like how it's not going to tangle kind of thing, especially in current. You know what I mean? They, they, well,
2: they do. They sometimes do, and that's the, that's the thing that's kind of the give and take about you know river fishing with these live you know this three way live bait rigs. Is you might reel it in after twenty minutes and realize, oh, this has been tangled up the entire time. Yeah, yeah. right. So it's just you gotta like you kind of lower
1: your conscience and just kind of you kind of
2: like, kinda like <laughs> not cast, and then you kind of gotta like lob it out there real nice and gent and And it goes the only thing i think i
0: might do different to try it because i know you said like you have a little bit of line coming off for the weight i don't think i'm gonna do the line i think the weight's gonna go right on the swivel because i have the reason why i say that is from the swivel like the live my live bait rigs i want to say i tied them at 30 inches okay so they're not like it's not like it's a chunk of line like this yeah i mean it's from me to you away so the weight would be sitting here, and then with a floating the floating section from me to you away. That should be enough, right? I mean,
2: yeah, I suppose I, I've never done it like that. It's been years since I've been up there, so
0: you're the only guy I know. My dad did it back in the '80s, but I'm sure he would like lose a lot of the details in there. I should call him and see what they did. Um, but yeah, but li- that's my plan and, of attack:
2: live bait and minnows and uh, little spinner baits and crank baits. That's that's gonna be my plan.
0: Pat has some uh, preparatory stuff for turkey hunting he wants to talk about. Yeah.
2: Oh, I mean, no, not really. Um, I, I, I don't even know when I'm going to be
1: able to go this year, to be honest with you.
0: So, uh, I'll
1: to find some overflow tags or something.
0: But you were uh, talking about your – Tell me, you you were telling me a story about shooting arrows the other day. Oh,
1: uh, okay. So I, I thought I could cheat and get away with just doing a solid paper tune and then just – you know, marking my turkey broadhead up. You know, it's four inches long. It's meant to it's meant you're to break at, a neck.
2: You're looking at me like, like I know what you're talking about. Oh no! <laughs> I don't All know right. What a so paper tune picture
1: is. a big plus shaped four inch broadhead. Um, yeah. Okay. That has four extra large blades. This thing would gut you.
0: This would completely gut you.
1: And I'm thinking that this thing's got so much surface area, a leaf will stop it. You know what I mean? That kind of thing. And I shot a broadhead target with it just to see what it would do. Kind of think it, you know, I knew it would mess up the broadhead. This thing went through the target
0: and I never found it. And I looked for like an hour. And uh, he wants to shoot turkey with a bow instead of a shotgun like everybody else. Like he said, he thinks he's more effective out to what, what did you say, 40 yards? I would say I'm way more effective out to 20. Uh,
1: if I was shooting like regular um, broadheads, I think I would actually be more effective out to 40. You know what I mean? Then, because. I don't know it's not that i don't have faith in the shotgun it's that uh i don't know i i haven't shot enough at a like regular old standard target right and i, I don't get many opportunities to do that but i get uh, so many opportunities to shoot my bow. so i feel like i'd be way more familiar
2: you know what i mean see honestly i think turkey hunting would be easy it's like you just drive up north you see them on the side of the road just pull <laughs> off on the side of the road and like you don't even have to shoot them you just run up to them and just Grab him by the throat. So in Michigan, <laughs> I That's saw. Cool, come on, they're they're big. are <laughs> <like, You're laughs>
0: grinding his gears right now. I could tell it. So
2: I saw, easy. I saw. a big old flock,
1: and it had two times in it. And then, uh, but it was great. I saw him, you know, wobbling across the field, and the one's beard was just bouncing back and forth. And I'm like, man, I cannot wait. I hope I can get an overflow tag in Wisconsin. So gosh.
0: other than uh, other than shooting the bow, what else have you been doing to prep for this? I oh think?
1: man, I've been. I'm mean, way home. Uh, from work, I take a full hour every day, and I practice my turkey calls. And I kind of use my slate, and I've got another box call um, as like my tuning fork, because the, the mouth call is very hard to get down, very very hard to get buk, down. Buk, buk. And uh, but with the <laughs> with the no, <laughs> it's
0: I think that was a dove. <laughs> yeah, same thing.
1: With the box call, it's <laughs> with the box call, it's very hard to screw up a yelp. Yeah. Everything else is a little more difficult, but with the slate or the pot call, um, you can cluck on that like the easiest. So, you know, everything's got its advantage, right? And yeah. the advantage of the mouth calls, hands free.
0: So. Well, he said, I'll go turkey hunting with you. The problem is they put that right in fishing season, you know? I mean.
2: Yeah.
1: But it's true. just, there's, there's just so much to it. And I think that's the thing that draws me to it, you know? And what? When I see turkeys out there, like, I stopped. I was on my way to a bachelor party, right? And I stopped, and I watched these things with binoculars. I turned off my truck, and I watched these things with binoculars just because I'm just so intrigued. You know what I mean? See how how they're moving. Yeah, how they're moving. I want to see what they're doing. Like, why are they out there? Uh, Clearly, they were out in the farm field, you know. Um, But they were 200 yards away from anything. So, like, to get those ones specifically,
2: you just it would be impossible. I'm probably the cheapest turkey hunter there is because uh – I've got, like, a 16-pound turkey sitting in the freezer.
0: Yeah, right, and I can go get one. I could be back in 20 minutes with a turkey. Oh, no, <laughs> I got
2: this one for free. Oh, okay. Yeah, Kel gave it to me. I can go to Culver's <laughs> and get a walleye. So <laughs> That's true. Uh, you got a point there. Uh, can you?
0: Can you really go to Culver's and get a walleye? Yeah, yeah they get they a walleye sandwich. Yeah, they have a walleye I sandwich. think certain I times know. of the year, yeah. I was about to say, I don't think that's all the time. There's a,
2: there's a place uh, down the street from where I work, uh, just a real greasy spoon. That, yeah, you can get Northern Pike. No kidding. Walleye, Po' Boy. It, it's... Tastes like shit, but it's farm race stuff,
1: you
0: know? Oh, okay. I yeah. didn't know that. I didn't I'd never really I know they do fish fries during Lent and all that stuff. I'm gonna be real The jealous. VFW
1: fish fries are awesome. I'm yeah. gonna be real jealous if you guys have yourselves a nice fish fry.
2: I still don't know how to be for it. Yeah, you're gonna be we're gonna bring back all if if we catch white bass on this trip, we'll it's coming back with us. Yeah, so fishy Phil
0: is gonna be very upset if he's not invited to fish fry. Very upset. But uh yeah, I, I can't wait. I mean, but like when you
1: catch one fresh, like we like me and Nick had that smallmouth on uh, Hayward last year, it was just such a good feeling. It tasted really good. It was very buttery. It's so, just,
2: guy at work was uh, Greg was telling me that um, old school trick from what he used to, or from what he was taught is you freeze it in water. You, oh, it's like,
0: make it one big ice cube.
2: You fillet it and then you freeze it in water and then you thaw it out because then it just tastes. Just like the day you caught.
0: I can see that. I wonder, did he say anything about which water, tap water
2: or lake water? Just Yeah, just regular water, not lake water. No, you don't want to freeze in lake water. He's actually on a fishing trip right now. He's down in Arkansas. He Uh, does it every year. Yep, he does it every year. He's down in Arkansas. He's going to hopefully, Greg, I know I told you about this podcast. If you're listening, uh, hopefully bring us back some brown trout.
0: Yeah, I know he's down there for trout. He was making fun of. He was texting me last year, giving me a ton of shit about being a fly fisherman. Yeah, all the
2: fl- he, he's he's making fun of all the fly fishermen in their drift boats and they're out there in their funny hats and all their stuff and they're, they're 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 you know I know you can't see my art, but they're waving around their flies and they're I heard doing they're all primarily liberal too. Who? No, I'm, I'm kidding. Oh. <laughs> I wanted Jim to react,
1: but he's just looking at. me Oh like, no,
2: he's they're they're out there doing all their fu- fancy stuff with their flies. These guys are out there drinking. Uh, Greg Greg will be drinking his rum and cokes, just dragging a nightcrawler across the bottom. Oh, got another one. Oh, got another one. <laughs> I'll tell you,
0: like it's funny with your little comment there with the uh, fly fisherman. I'll be honest with you. There's a few things that I love that I don't identify with, like with the the people also that do it. A handful of them, you know. But when it comes to fly fishermen, I don't really fit in with fly fishermen. You yeah, know?
1: just like. Same thing, I don't fit in with golfers or, you know. Yeah, you know, like, like when it comes to
0: like, mechanics, like I'm a very good mechanic. I've been doing this. This will be, I was just talking about this. This will be my 15th year as a mechanic, right? And, but I can't stand drinking a beer with another mechanic. <laughs> I don't know what it is. I know. But it's like, can we talk about something else? I don't want to talk about your turbocharged motors. And, you know, <laughs> <It's> <laughs> I, like, I just don't care. That's what I do Monday through Friday. Would yeah. you ask the
1: mailman to go for a walk after work? You know yeah. Know what I mean? like, <laughs> <laughs> you know?
0: Yeah, I do it for money. I don't do it for like anything other than money. Anyway. Um, all right we're rambling yeah so i don't know if there's anything else we want to say i was trying to think i thought there was a couple i wanted to bring up the smallmouth. i wanted to bring up our
2: approach the podcast for for next week oh yeah Um, so
0: what are we doing what is we better give everybody a heads up now that listens to us
1: uh i mean you guys are gonna be gone right what day you leaving
0: we're gonna be leaving Friday and then coming back Sunday. I could probably you and me could do something Sunday night if Bill doesn't want to do it. We might be able to squeeze in some, some, something Sunday night.
2: Yeah, I'm down for that. So maybe uh, maybe next uh, I, I definitely won't have a smoking bills or a bushlight Bill Billy's for right, next week. Definitely, um, um, unless bu- we jinx. like catch a bunch of fish and like cook something up. I yeah. Don't know. So Light Billy would be tentative for next week and.
0: The, I guess the podcast for the following week. So let's see here. This will be coming out. Would that be? Come
2: good? on, calendar.
0: What is this? Would that be? So this will be coming out on the 5th. So we're not sure about the episode on the 12th yet. I'll have something to you, whether it's short or not. I will have something at least on my own, if not Pat or Bill. Because like the way the work works, um, I could do it with you the one week or Pat previous. Yeah, we can. So with my rotation. I'll be so. around this weekend. So maybe, so hopefully the 12th, if you guys don't see an episode on the 12th or at least a full episode, um, just understand that's because of a fishing trip and not because I fired Pat off my podcast <laughs> tentative. <laughs> we'll call that it was tentative. Just staring at me. They did not find that as funny as I did. You can hear this podcast. That means you, you can, can be, be on it. it. Um, so is that it? Is that, are we done? Is that? Yeah, that's yeah, it for that's me.
1: It. But yeah, no, seriously, if you can hear this podcast, that means you can be on it. If you could see Jim's boat, that means you can be on that, too. That's but true. email us at whistlemissionpodcast at gmail.com. Hey, to
0: wrap this up real quick, I want you to make a decision. What boat am I bringing next week? I say your drift. Okay. Just so simply because it. of the profile in the water. Pat said, so when we have a terrible trip, we know who to blame. Right, Bill? Yeah. No, I,
2: I I said we bring the drift boat, too, okay. for the record. Pat. Yeah,
0: but he did say that. <laughs> so, Namely because
2: I have never been on it. All but right, so thanks anyway. for listening. And Thank you.
0: See you uh, hopefully next week. See you.